Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Point taken. I'm Shiel Kapati. As always, joined by Ben Solak. I thought we were going to be talking about a snoozer, but it picked up in the fourth quarter. The Bucks beat the Saints 17-16. We will talk about that game with our first point. If you don't know, you should know the drill by now. We each offer three takes. We finish it with an extra point taken. We don't share our, our takes. If it's spicy like last week, we get into it. I know some of you liked that one last week. Let's see if we can build on it this week with this episode. Benjamin, how you doing? Oh, we argued about Lamar. I couldn't remember what it was. We talked yeah. so much. I was like, what did we do yeah. last week? The Lamar, yeah, 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 yeah. We talked way too much. I talked to you more than I talked to my own family, as I've told you uh, many a time. But we're in week 13. So listen, you're going to miss this when it's gone, when it's February, and you got no one to yell at. You'll be calling me up, giving me an extra point taken. All right, take number one. Why are the Saints tanking, Benjamin? So that's my only explanation for what I just watched on my screen here right in front of me. Don't they know they don't have their first round pick next year? Why did they give that game away? Is there something illicit happening with this team? That's the only way I can explain what I just saw. I know everyone's going to be giving Tom Brady his flowers, and we'll get to that. Yes, he led the comeback. He had two drives in the fourth quarter. I think both those teams stink. I think the, the division stinks, but I'm looking at a few instances in this game, Benjamin. First of all, 6-11 left, okay? The New Orleans Saints are winning this game 16-3. to They have a second and eight. They throw the ball to Mark Ingram, and Mark Ingram steps out a yard short of the first down marker. There's no one near him. Now, listen, he might have been a little... Might have been, he was a little banged up, so I'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit uh, of the doubt, but he was in the game. It was like one yard. He's, he's literally running to the marker. There's an orange marker right there. He runs out of bounds. I go, okay, well, that's a little weird. But then, really, the play, I think, I, I tweeted, this should be in the Hall of Fame. Third and one from the Tampa 44. Okay, you're trying to run clock here. You're trying to pick up a first down. The New Orleans Saints call a slant to Marquez Callaway. 
His only target of the game, Benjamin, Marcus yeah. Callaway. Bullet RPO. So it's, I, there's a called run unless I really like my one-on-one to the slant, right? And and Andy Dalton saw Carlton Davis, <laughs> no. I believe it was. I'm 98% yeah. sure it was Carlton, over Marcus Callaway and goes, no, that's my matchup, baby. That's what we've been hunting all night. You don't like that, Andy Dalton. You don't throw that. You don't even need to tag the run with, an, with, a, with a pass option there. Just run the football. They throw it incomplete. Then they punt on fourth and one from the Tampa 44. They give the Bucks the ball back. Uh, the Bucks come down. The Bucks score a touchdown. 10 play, 91-yard drive. Saints get the ball back, okay? They're, now they're in, okay, let's burn some clock mode. Let's make the Bucks use their timeouts. Second and seven. After a three-yard run on first down, they say, you know what? I'm going to be a little sneaky here. Chris Olave, I know you've been kind of torching those guys all, all, all game long, but you go on the sideline. We're going to go with a nice, uh, heavy package. We'll fool them. We'll run a little play action. We'll hit something downfield. Everyone will be praising us for our guts and our you know, surprise factor tomorrow. They run a little play action, and Andy Dalton takes a 10-yard sack. All of a sudden, it's third and 10. Chris Olave is watching this from the sideline. I would love to know what he was thinking. Uh, it's third and 17. Then they're incomplete on third and 17 to Taysom Hill down the field. Good play by Keanu Neal. And the defense, which had been lights out all game long, gives up another touchdown drive. But, you know, Tom Brady, yes, deserves credit. Two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. Why were the Saints making it? So easy for them, Benjamin. What a why are they trying to lose this game? I thought they were gonna, you know, get a win here and say, hey, the a- NFC South is up for grabs. They did not do that. What am I missing? Is there any other takeaway from this game? There's nothing a defensive coach loves to do more than trust the defense, man. When it's like, hey, you could trust the defense, or you could just trust like the laws of physics, time, science, and the world and just hold the ball and not have to worry about trusting your defense. You can just trust the fact that the game clock will expire as it has expired for all of the history of football. That's true for both Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints, and also Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Bucks, because there's going to be some nice, you know, retconning. It's going to be some nice rewriting of history when we look at that Bucks drive down 13 eight minutes, two seconds left in the fourth quarter, get the ball at the 25, take a quick sack, get to a fourth and 10 at the 25, seven Oh six left. And they put the football away and everybody's going to say, Oh, it worked. It worked. Two saints, three and outs, two touchdown drives. Oh buddy. It, it, it worked in the sense that they won, but I don't know if I still feel great about it. I don't know if I love punting down two scores with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, even at fourth and 10, even on my own 25 yard line. I, I haven't looked at what the models say, but man, did this feel for 53 minutes, like another game that Todd Bowles was just trying to lose. And only when his back was as far up against the wall as it could get, did the bucks finally have enough on offense to win. I mean, the bucks stunk in this game. They got completely outplayed for like 50 Five, 56 minutes of this game. And then the Saints come back and blow it at the end. So Tampa improves to six and six somehow. I don't buy any of it. I'm not going to buy any of the narratives coming out of this game that, oh, that might have got them going. That's what we heard about that Rams game a few weeks ago. The offense stunk. I mean, the stats they were, the, the graphics they were putting up in this game. At one point, the Bucks had gone 15 straight drives uh, with a total of three points. There was this one. Did you see this one on third and 10? They were they were three for 46 
on third and 10 or more. The offense was completely out of sync. They had nothing going, and then they win it there at the end. So they're 6-6. Six and six. They're probably going to win the, win the division. They're going to be the four seed there. Who knows what can happen uh, in the first round of the playoffs, but we, I do not take them seriously as Super Bowl contenders. I think they have all the issues I thought they had midway uh, through the fourth quarter. They just happen to win this game. By the way, the Saints, Dennis Allen now, 12-36 and 36 as an NFL uh, head coach for a 250 winning percentage. Dennis Allen is number one in my, you're a good coordinator, just be a good coordinator rankings. He's such a good DC. Both those guys tonight, honestly. Yeah, right. And like Bowles is up there, but yeah. Allen is number one, which is like, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. Just continue to coordinate really good defenses for me. And I just never worry yeah. about doing anything more than that. Cash a nice paycheck, go home, see your family. There you go. All right. I got nothing else to say about this game. What is your first take, Benjamin? Okay. Two-parter. Uh, the second half of which will bring a new horizon to extra point taken, a horizon we have yet untouched. So, oh, part number one. I don't know if this is going to be controversial tonight, so let's just keep it a buck. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. If you would like to talk about another player, okay, that's lovely for you. You're very wrong. We uh, talked about this Dolphins team, and then the season two it was having a few weeks ago on this show. And you brought up the fact that uh, Tua's EPA per dropback was 0.35, tied for the fifth best season in the last decade of football. Unbelievable number. His stroke number wasn't just that Tua was having an incredible season. He was having a, a season for the history books. Patrick Mahomes right now leads the league in EPA per dropback, 0.31. It's the eighth best number in the last 10 years of footballing. If the only uh, number he's ever put out better in his career was the 2018 season, 0.33. If anybody's doesn't remember what Patrick Mahomes did in the 2018 season won the MVP award. The, uh, by the way, for those wondering at home, two has dropped down to like tied for 25th. He's like, he's, you know, they, they've had a couple of bad games and or he's had a couple of below average games for the numbers he was putting up. And now he's a little bit lower. Mahomes is, 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 is the clear MVP. I, they're off a loss to the Bengals. And I still like, he was averaging 0.5 EPA per drop back. He was throwing bombs to contested Marquez Valdez scalings on third and tens to put together scoring drives. Like I, in my head, I have no question that Mahomes is the MVP. That's the first half of the take. The second half of the take is that the second place, the runner up for MVP is also to me, like very clear at this point. And it's Eagles quarterback, Jalen hurts. We haven't talked about the Eagles on this show because you and I spend a lot of time talking about the Eagles on a separate show. And so we just kind of inherently don't bring up the team that has only one loss. The Ringers Philly special. I mean, at least give it a plug. I mean, come on. It was your first time doing oh, it. Excuse Jeez. me. Yeah, yeah. Ringers Philly yeah. special. Make sure you go subscribe, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we like it's very funny because like, we just haven't really talked about the league's best team by record on this show covering the NFL because we have so much Eagles airspace over the Philly special. Rate, review, subscribe. With that said, uh, the Jalen Hurts performance against uh, Tennessee, almost 400 yards passing with three passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown to boot, was to me the most impressive uh, performance Jalen Hurts has had as a pro. It's his second best game by EPA per dropback so far this season, um, but the Titans are a remarkably challenging off a defense to deal with. Off of the broadcast copy, it seemed like a good game. On the, the, the All-22 film, uh, they were throwing a lot at him. They were rotating coverages and dropping players and, and, and playing different shells. And they were bringing blitzes in the second half. And so many things that have given Jalen Hurts trouble over the last 
several weeks, over the last year, over his entire pro career, throwing over the middle of the field, post-snap processing, managing a murky pocket, not creating his own pressure, accuracy over the middle of the field, everything that Hurts has said, different times have been different issues from against different defenses, the blitz and identifying and getting rid of the ball in time. None of it was an issue against the Tennessee Titans. This after a game in which Hurts showed like, hey, you know what Justin Fields has been doing? You know how Fields is like running the entire Bears office with my legs? I could also do that if I needed to. Like, we don't need to do that over here. We're 11 and one. We got A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Miles Sanders, and Dallas Goddard. And we got this really good offensive line. Like, we're great. But if I needed to just carry this whole thing with 150 rushing yards against Green Bay Packers, I could. Don't you forget it. Uh, the Eagles offense also, like, when we talk about most valuable player, uh, I, I'm always interested in how integral you are to the way your team works, right? Like, I think when you put Hertz up against a player like Tua Tungabailoa, for example, who is very big in the MVP odds, was like, oh, he's going to be a top one, top two MVP odds sort of a player. I think we saw what that offense starts to look like when you take away some of the supporting pieces in terms of Teron Armstead being out and Jalen Waddle being absent for a little bit of the game against the 49ers. We've seen, I think, in, in that game, and we'll see over the rest of the season, something that's been discussed a lot by film heads like me, which is that Tua is more so a cog uh, in the machine. He's more so a piece of the puzzle in that Dolphins offense. He has a role and he executes. Hertz enables the Eagles offense. He creates the Eagles offense. He is much more so than a, 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 a cog in the machine. He is a keystone. He's an integral piece. Without him, it wouldn't work because the running ability is, 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 is one of the reasons why the Eagles' rushing attack is so successful in terms of the numbers they get in the box. Why do they get so much man coverage on the outside that A.J. Brown can dominate against and Devontae Smith can uh, dominate against? It's because teams feel like they have to play man coverage because they need to get extra players down in the box because they're afraid of the running game because Jalen Hurts makes the additional number in the read option game. Like, he's... The the entire Eagles offense precipitates from the talent that Jalen Hurts brings to that position. And even if the offense becomes easier because he has such talented weapons, because he has such good play callers, you couldn't plug and chug another like just good quarterback in and get the same stuff. Like we talked a little bit about this in relation to Lamar Jackson, in relation to Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray, could you take some of these other scrambling quarterbacks, the other run first quarterbacks and get them in this offense and have it look the same way and be as productive? No, because Lamar plays the position differently. Kyler plays the position differently. What Hurts brings in terms of his physicality, what he brings in terms of the accuracy of his go ball, like this is is a skill set that that the blend of which is pretty rare in the league. Hurt, I, I, I've increasingly become sold on Hurts throughout the course of the season. I'm now emphatically a believer in, in Hurts as like a second contract player for the Eagles, and I'm a believer that if if I were building an MVP ballot, MVP ballot. I would have no hesitation putting Patrick Mahomes first and then no hesitation putting Jalen Hurts second. Wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, I would not have an issue with you doing that on your MVP ballot. I mean, like you said, we've talked about Hurts at length. I think we're, you know, pretty much I'm on the same page with what you said. I mean, he can one week, he can beat you by running for 150. The next week, he can beat you by throwing for 380. He's a great leader. He's a great teammate. He shows an ability to problem solve. He shows an ability uh, to uh, his teammates like him. He, he works on his uh, his weaknesses. He's shown an ability to improve uh, the things that he maybe was not so good at last year. And he's having a phenomenal season and they have the best record uh, in the NFL and they have one of the five best offenses in the NFL. So yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think Josh Allen absolutely still belongs in that conversation. They have a top five offense. They have one of the best teams in the NFL. They're the one seed in the AFC. He's been playing uh, with an injury and he's still doing it. I mean, you could easily make the case that you swap those two players 
is the Eagles offense just as good? I mean, yes, with Josh Allen, uh, that that's pretty easy for me to say a yes to. So uh, I think Allen belongs in the conversation. I'm with you on Mahomes. You know, I think that some narratives maybe came out of that Chiefs-Bengals game. If you really look at it, the Chiefs only had seven real possessions in that game. I mean, if you look at like EPA per drive, they had the fourth most efficient offense of any team in the NFL in week 13. So don't get me wrong. The Bengals did a great that, job. That game came down to a fumble and a field goal. That's yes, what happens when two, when two good teams play. You got two bounces that go the wrong way. That's all that was. That was an excellent game for the Chiefs offense. The, the Chiefs running game works. It, this is like, yeah. like if the Chiefs are good in the postseason and like run through the AFC postseason with a good running game, everybody's going to be like, when did this happen? Like against the Bengals when nobody was watching because they lost. Like they, <laughs> this running game now works. They're, they're such a complete team offensively. Yeah, yeah, their their offenses. There should be no takeaways from. I mean, the Bengals did a great job in high leverage situations, and they make it tough on quarterbacks, and so they absolutely deserve credit uh, for that. But if you're say come out of that game thinking, oh, you know, the Chiefs have an issue offensively, that's just uh, completely wrong and not how I see it. So uh, I think that's fair how you said it. I mean, if you want to throw Joe Joe Burrow uh, in there for rounding out a top five, as I think voters are going to get to do this year, he would certainly be in there for me. And I don't even know who my fifth would be. I mean, you could talk me into like a Tyreek Hill as the uh, as the fifth option defendant, depending on how the rest of that Dolphin season yeah. go. I'd put Hill in before I put two in, just in terms of the function okay. they serve for that offense. All right, there you go. So I don't uh, I don't disagree too much with your take there. It's a good segue because my second one is on the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals, to me, are the most fun team in the NFL right now. This is a this is a ringer take. This is a this vibe is a fun take. take. This this is like uh you know if you're like a, a fan right now without a team you know maybe just, I don't know what how your team left you uh, you ditched a team whatever and you're saying like who can I what bandwagon can I jump on now they made the Super Bowl last year so maybe that's not appealing but if you just want enjoyment every Sunday. Uh, I think the Bengals are that team right now. You can certainly make a case for the Eagles. You can make a case for the Bills, the Chiefs. There are a few others that are probably in the conversation, but there's so much I love about this team. And if you want to go narrative hunting a little bit, I saw this in the, in the Athletic uh, today or from the Athletics Bengals beat writer Paul Diener Jr. The Bengals got a, a victory Monday, a Monday off. Jesse Bates shows up at the facility, 9.30 to get treatment. Whole team's there. They're getting a lift in. They're getting, people are just hanging out because everyone likes being around each other. Joe Burrow's getting a lift in. He's watching mm, Brown's film. They're all in there. Listen, I, 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 you, you can see that when you watch this team every Sunday and the way they've evolved, the way they've adjusted, the way they've addressed their, their tendencies. It's Burrow's team and they are better now than they were last year when they made the Super Bowl. I mean, that's statistically, offensively, they're fourth in EPA per drive and third in success rate this year. Last year, they were 13th and 19th. It's all over the film, the different ways they can do it. They're more pass-heavy on early downs, and when they run the football, they're way more efficient than they were last year. It's not just the downfield passing attack. That's still available to them, but they're getting Samaje Pirine on the checkdowns. They're getting Tyler Boyd in the middle of the field, and they're taking their one-on-ones on the outside. Uh, that what We talked about the Bengals-Chiefs uh, game a minute ago. Another, I mean, that third and five with Jamar Chase, where they're just throwing a screen out to him to, you slow that down, it's four on two. You got two guys blocked up. It's the dream bubble screen <laughs> defense. It's everything yes. you want. They're there. You can't get them. That's right. If you, yeah, if you, if you want to go back and watch this, pause it on that third and five in the fourth quarter, and you will see four Chiefs 
two Bengals to block four Chiefs. And then it's Jamar Chase versus two guys. He makes one guy miss, gets to the sideline, and picks up the first down. I mean, that was, talk about the difference in the game. Yes, it was the Kelsey fumble. Yes, it was a missed field goal. But it's also a play like that where it's, hey, we have Jamar Chase. You don't have Jamar Chase. This is a very uh, easy problem to solve on third down. And then I'll tell you what, Zach Taylor on third and 11, that final play, I think the Zach Taylor of like the first two, three months of last year might just run the ball there and say, you know what? Let's let's run the clock. They've used all their timeouts. We'll just run the ball here. We'll knock 40 seconds off the clock. We'll kick a field goal. And then we just have to stop them from scoring a touchdown. I mean, it's third and 11 there. It's not, you know, third and four. It's third and 11 there. He doesn't do that. He puts the ball in Joe Burrow's hands. And Burrow makes an unbelievable throw. Even though they don't pick up the stunt on the right side, he makes an unbelievable throw to T. Higgins and converse, uh, converts there. So uh, I love their offense. I love everything about their offense. I love Burrow. I love Chase. I love the way they're playing. And then defensively, and you guys talked about this on the recap show. I mean, defensively, they just come up with different ways every week to go from playing that Titans team a week ago where you're just going, mm-hmm. this is going to be a fight. Let's go. We'll be more physical than you. And they were. And then to come back and have to face Patrick Mahomes, the guy who is, it's impossible to confuse Patrick Mahomes. And again, they did not shut him down, but did they keep him off balance a little bit? Was he unsure of when they're going to blitz, when they're going to drop eight? Yes, there was a little bit of that in some key spots. And so this team can absolutely win the Super Bowl. This Bengals team, but more importantly, and this is a take I've offered, I think, on this show before, the beauty of fandom is those three hours on a Sunday. Are you having a good time, or are you miserable at the end? Are you heading to the fridge, doing some emotional eating, looking for some leftover pizza, some pasta, maybe some sweets, whatever's in there? Oh my gosh, I can't believe how I just wasted three hours with this team. That sometimes is the fan experience. That's not the fan experience with this team. You're loving every minute of it. You can't get enough, whether it's the games on Sundays, whether it's the social media during the week, whether it's the interviews, whatever. It's so fun to be a Bengals fan right now. Uh, I think they're the most fun team in the NFL. I Okay, so give me your like general metric for fun. How do you calculate fun? What's the formula? I just said it. Three, three hours. Uh, do you like the players? Those three hours on a Sunday are just like, this is the best. Like, this is what be, nothing can beat these three hours I'm okay. spending on a Sunday. On like a Tuesday afternoon, are you searching for like the, oh, did, who was mic'd up this week? Let me see, did your friend send you a text? Oh, look, this guy was mic'd up this week. Oh, look at the t-shirt this guy wore to his press conference. Like, you can't get enough because the, the team is just so likable uh, during the games and during the week. Okay, so you're, you're a big t-shirt to a press conference guy? All right, okay. Listen, you asked for an exam thinking off the top of my head. I don't have notes here on where you know exactly. I want to make sure that a hard question is a team fun or not. No, it is because, like, to me, fun is you score a lot of points, you're probably going to give up a lot of points sometimes, too, because I like those. I like seeing a lot of points in the game, I like scores and touchdowns and dances. I want you to be generally well coached because that like appeals to me as as a as a writer and as an analyst and as a person who cares about this but i also do want you to make some bad mistakes so i can get angry that's a big part of fun for me you can be a fun team i need something to yell at i need to i need to you know turn to my wife on the couch text my mom babe, can you believe this is going on can you, that's going like they got that that's part of the experience that's why i ask about fun teams right okay. i think like joe burrow is one of the most fun players i think jamar chase one of the most fun players I think, like, to me, when I think fun team, I think, like, the Lions. 
The Lions to me are hilariously oh fun team. <laughs> they are the Seahawks. Fun. Yeah, they are fun. I love like the, to me the Seahawks are so funny. Every time Geno Smith throws a touchdown to Noah Fant, I bust out laughing again that that trade happened and this is the result. You're like to like absurdity is fun to me. You're a deranged individual. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's just why I, I I want to get the clarification there. All your Bengals points are sound. It's just. Fun team means different things to different people. Like Vikings are a great example. I, I I have been so clear about not liking the Vikings. I don't trust the Vikings. I don't think the Vikings are actually good, so on and so forth. Vikings are really fun. I freaking love watching them. They're unbelievable content. Every, minute one to minute 60, they're entertaining. Kirk's doing something done. Dumb. Justin Jefferson wants to punch him. The defense is giving up ridiculous things and getting like crazy turnovers at the goal line. Every game is one score. Such a fun team. Don't like them. Fun football team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, especially if you're a Vikings fan. It was kind of miserable and stale for a while. And this year, you're probably mad at people like me, people like Benjamin, uh, saying that, listen, they're not real contenders, but that shouldn't matter to you. They are a really fun team this year, and they've got a great uh, record. So yeah, they would belong in the conversation as well. All right. What is your second take? Okay. Uh, we're going football nerdy on this one. Dolphins play the Niners. 49ers beat the Dolphins 33 to 17. Brock Purdy comes in, Jimmy Grapple, everybody knows. Coming into this game on the on the Friday show, we previewed it, talked a lot about Fred Warner over the middle of the field, Tua talking about throwing to the middle of the field. Just such a hugely important game with so much visibility on, on the Dolphins offense against the, the 49ers defense. I wrote a piece for this game previewing it. And at the end of the piece, I said, like this was on Friday, I said, like, this is not going to be a blueprint game. Nobody better say it's a blueprint game. There's going to be no blueprint. No other team's going to have a Fred Warner. It's not going to match up the same way D'Amico Ryan's. It doesn't matter who wins and how they win. Not a blueprint game. Nobody's allowed to say it. So the 49ers beat the Dolphins, and immediately, what do we hear all Monday? Is it a blueprint? Yes or no? Does this, does this, is, okay, let's look at what two it was on pressure, against pressure, dropbacks, what Fred did, where was the ball thrown? Blueprint, not a blueprint. So my take is this. This was not a blueprint game for how to beat the Dolphins defense. However, there is something important to learn in how the Niners played the Dolphins, and it's not what you think. All the visibility on Fred Warner, middle of the field, middle linebacker, take away the middle of the field. You look at Tua's passing chart in this game versus other games, huge gaping hole in the middle of the field. Usually he dominates 10 to 20 yards between the numbers in this game, multiple incompletions. Uh, they had the big long touchdown first play Trent Shurfield after that, nothing throwing to that area of the field or throwing to the outs, throwing to the flats so much more than we were previously, but that's not a blueprint because you don't get to bring Fred Warner with you. All right. You look at how, how often he was pressured, right? Oh, only pressure on 28.3% of his dropbacks. Not that high, but the EPA lost on pressure dropbacks, negative 15 EPA, the biggest number you've ever seen. They were so good at getting pressure on him. He had sacks and forced fumbles, incompletions, interceptions. It's all about the pressure, but you're not going to have a Nick Bosa. You're not going to have a Nick Bosa and a Samson Abukam and a Charles Omenahu going against a line that doesn't have Liam Meichenberg, doesn't have Tron Armstead. Not a blueprint. The important thing to watch in this Niners defense against the Dolphins is the way they pressed the receivers in the first half. Next-gen stats. The 49ers were aggressive in trying to disrupt the timing of the Dolphins passing game in the first half, aligning in press coverage against 30% of detached routes, so like not tight ends, right? Pressing like receivers who are not attached to the formation. Tua Tagovailoa in the first half, negative 26% uh, completion percentage over expectation, a career low. Why is that important? Because you may not have a Fred. 
You may not have a Fred Warner. You may not have a Nick Bosa and have a D'Amico Ryans and have the entire gamut of options that the 49ers defense affords you. But the 49ers are not a press coverage team. This is not a team that acquired and drafted corners and built their defense with the intent of playing press coverage. Yes, they went and got Traverius Ward this offseason. Don't get me wrong. Traverius Ward, an important player, valuable player. But the other guys, of Diamond Lenore, second-year, fifth-round player at a out of Oregon. They played with three safeties the whole game. Sean Gibson, Jimmy Ward. They got these guys up on the line pressing. They did not build to play press, so why are they doing it? Because if you are going to disrupt this offense, you have to disrupt the timing at the line. And I know it's Tyreek Hill, and I know it's Jalen Waddell, but the Dolphins faced before this game the lowest rate of man coverage of any offense in the league. And it's because teams thought, okay, there's no way we can press him. There's no way we can play man. So let's try to play zone good enough to stop the Dolphins' offense, and it's just impossible. It, if you, unless you got a Fred, and you got a Fred Warner in the middle, you can't play zone, right? That's that. That's it. Doesn't matter that the, the Niners stopped them. You can't play zone against them. Can't play quarters. And the Niners knew this and they understood this. They said, "Hey, we're not a good press coverage team, but when we get to third and long, if we want time for our pass rush to get home, if we want this pressure to matter, because Tua has been so good pressure this year, if we want to make the completions more challenging, if we want to make them hold on the football for more than a, more than a second. We have to push these guys' line of scrimmage. And, and Tyreek's going to beat us. He's going to do it. Tyreek had 10 targets of three-plus yards of separation. He was open the whole game. Next-gen stats charting. He's open the whole time. That's Tyreek. He's going to be open. Every game, no matter what you cover, no matter how many you cover him, no matter you get Daryl Revis and Tiki Barber fusion dance out there, you're not going to be able to cover him the whole game. But if you press him, you're going to win enough third downs to get this team off the field. So it's not a blueprint game because you're not going to have Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and Italiano Hufanga and D'Amico Ryans. You can't take this Niners defense and copy paste it. It's it's too talented. They do what they always do, and they're so good tackling. They're so good over the middle of the field. But the one thing they did that was different, the one thing they did that was anti-Niners, that was uncharacteristic, was they got dudes on the line, and they tried to punch Tyreek and Waddle in the mouth. And sometimes they lost. But sometimes they won, and those wins mattered. Mattered enough to get them off the field, to build a lead, to get the Dolphins off script, and then win the game. And and Mike McDaniel adjusted. They ran more crossing routes and through the flats and everything like that. Like McDaniel's still going to get his. But that is, to me, the only thing that's blueprint about this game. And when you look at what the Chargers are going to want to do coming up against the Dolphins, when you look at what the Bills are going to want to do coming up against the Dolphins, when you look at what the Patriots are going to do coming up against the Dolphins, these are a lot of very smart defensive coaching staffs. And I think, I anticipate, I theorize that while they may not do the same stuff the Niners did and don't have Fred Warner, don't have schemes, quarters, this, that, and the other thing, four-man rush, you're going to see them press on third down. And you're going to see them challenge these receivers at the line. And that, if anything, is going to be the secret sauce to taking a little bit of wind out of the air of the sails for the Dolphins offense. So your take is that that is one aspect of the 49ers game plan that other teams should try to replicate is to press yes. them at the My line. My take is, 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 don't look at this Niners game and say it's a blueprint, but don't be surprised if it was the Dolphins offense struggles the rest of the season. It's because of the press man coverage that was established as a good weapon to use in this Niners game. Okay, but then I, I will ask you a rhetorical question, and uh, then we know the answer. Why, you know, we're in week 13, so through 12 weeks, why have teams been afraid to try to do that to the Dolphins? I mean, it's uh, you can answer the question, but... Right, so... Uh, <laughs> The Patriots tried to do it a bit in week one, and they honestly had some, some success. They just didn't know the, like, the, the tendency yet. Like We didn't know what this McDaniel tool offense was going to look like. I think like everybody thought 
it would look more like what it ended up being in the second half of this Niners game, more like actual rollouts, throws to the flats, like, you know, like very, very quick RPO stuff. Like they ran their little favorite RPO wheel thing, like 95 times in this game, but it's much more shallow, right? They're like this Dolphins offense pushes the ball way further down the field. than I think a lot of people expected they are constantly throwing it as like intermediate 20 yards of depth, 22 yards of depth. So I just think like the Patriots didn't know tendency yet. I think if you run the Patriots game back, you'll see success. The Bengals also did this. The Bengals, uh, like the, um, I think it was the Von Bell interception. I can't recall precisely who it was, but it was it was it was two man. And so you're playing two man. You have trail technique from the corners. They get up on the line of scrimmage, press, and then you're going to play underneath the, the the receiver. You're going to let Tyreek get vertical on you, and then you're going to run behind him. And you're going to have that safety over the top and say all this intermediate turnaround, intermediate stop stuff that the Dolphins offense loves to do. We can we can bottle this up. Obviously, Tua doesn't play that entire game, and kind of the the the. Uh, the, you don't really see the fruit of that that strategy. So those teams kind of tried it, and I didn't think I have a lot of success. The reality is that a lot of DCs, like the defensive coaches, just coaches in general, it's arrogant sons of guns. So they're going to look at look at a, an offense and say, okay, well, we're obviously not going to play man against the Dolphins. Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, like, you can't. You're going to get burned. We have to play zone, and we'll play with deep zones. We'll play our safeties really high over the top so that, that way we don't get burned. And then guess what happens the whole game, Shield? They get burned. There's, there's, there's the belief that, oh, if we just play zone coverage good enough, if we just execute, coach's favorite word, the yeah. big E, seven letters. If, oh, if we just execute, if the players just got it right, right? The Bears, right, out there running cover two against the Dolphins. Oh, if Jack Sanborn, rookie linebacker out of Wisconsin, could just execute his zones against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. The Texans. Oh, if Christian Harris, rookie linebacker out of Alabama, could just be better in zone coverage against his... It's not going to happen. You have to enter the Monday before you play the Dolphins saying, all right, we're going to get cooked nine times. No, no matter what we play, we put 13 dudes on defense. We're going to get burned. So assuming we're going to get burned, knowing we're going to take losses, how can we make sure our wins, as few and as limited as they are, really, really matter? And that's what the Niners did. They're going to get us sometimes. Trent Shurfield, 75-yard catch and run. It's going to happen. But if, if we can press and be aggressive and win for just a, a second and a half it's enough time to get enough hits on Tua that he starts to break down Tua hates being hit it's it, it is his kryptonite so it's saying all right we're going to lose reps we play zone we play man quarters deep underneath blah, 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 blah. we're gonna lose reps what can we do to maximize our wins and the answer is press man even if Tyreek burns you the answer is press man I agree with you that the idea of making Tua hold on to the ball is critical to whatever defensive game plan you have. Now, that could be playing press man, like you said. That could be being really good at pre-snap disguise and making him confused about what he's looking at after he turns around, whether it's an under center play action or just a regular play, because that is obviously can be their weakness. Now, I'm a little... I'm on the fan, you know, you say like anytime it's that, hey, this is the solution to slow them down or, or you're not even saying that. I hear what you're saying. Just giving yourself the best chance to win. I'm kind of like, let's see. You know, they were down two tackles. They didn't have Jalen Waddle the whole game and they do have great players. I mean, they had Eric Armstead. They had Nick Bosa in that game. They have Fred Warren. They had their linebackers running around in that game. Like I'm sure if Matt Eberflus is listening to that, he's saying, give me a break. You know, you want to meet it. You want me to play that way with the guys I have or, uh, or, or Lovey Smith or whoever is the defensive coordinator for the Texans. So personnel always matters. And when it's a team that's like the Niners, a top five defense that's doing this 
to every team in the NFL. I think D'Amico Ryans deserves credit because like you said, this is out of their identity. This isn't what they do every week. This is what they did this week for this game plan because they thought it gave them the best chance to win and it did. But I think it's a good point because they play uh, teams capable of playing this way. They play some very good defenses coming up. Like you mentioned, the Jets, the Patriots, the Bills. These are all very good defenses with very smart coaches. So uh, it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, the obvious reason for why teams don't do that is because they think it's what you said. They're, they're going in going, we're not playing man coverage against these guys. We're going to get killed. Oh, there's no way we can do this. It'll kill us. They're going to kill you regardless. But coaches don't think that way. Coaches exactly. never go into game plan saying, well, we're going to, they're going to get us somehow anyway. No, I mean, very rare uh, for a coach to actually think that. But I like it. It's a good, good, good point. Good observation. Something to keep on with the Dolphins in the weeks ahead. I, I think the Dolphins if they can get a little healthy with their tackles, if Waddles out there are still going to be really tough and are going to cook yep. some of these defenses uh, coming up. I thought, uh, you know, that, that was a great game by the Niners, but it didn't make me think that much less of the Dolphins watching that back. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. All right. Number three, my third take. We've said for months, it's a three-team race in the NFC. We said it was the Eagles. We said it was the Cowboys. We said it was the 49ers. 
as we head into, what is it, week 14? Week 14 already. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. It is a two-team race in the (laughs) NFC. (laughs) And both those teams play in the same division. Either the Eagles or the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, Niners fans. I don't mean to rain on your parade. You're probably saying, what are you talking about? We just beat the Dolphins with Brock Purdy. That's correct. And listen, crazy things happen. I mean, I have notorious clips of a podcast I did after Carson Wentz went down in 2017 where I said the season's over and it basically sounded like a funeral. And then a month later, Nick Foles is hoisting the Lombardi trophy. So anything can happen, but it's a different situation and it's just such a tall task to expect a rookie to lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl, given that they're not going to be the number one seed in the NFC, that they're going to have to win multiple games on the road, that if they can't hold off the Seahawks, they might need to win three games on the road. So uh, I'm counting the 49ers out. Old takes exposed. 49ers fans, play this back. If Brock Purdy leads them, it'll be a fun story. And I will admit that I was wrong, but I don't see it. Then we have the Minnesota Vikings. We just talked about them. I see. I like to be careful with how I talk about the Vikings. It's just what you said. If you're a Vikings fan, you should be mad at people like us because that doesn't matter to you. They're entertaining to you. They're they're 10 and two. They're having a really fun season and you should enjoy every minute of it. Having said that, if you're an objective observer asking yourself, can this team make the Super Bowl? They're probably not going to make the Super Bowl. I looked this up today, Ben. Last 20 years, okay, there have been 53 teams that have had 10 wins or more through 13 weeks of the NFL Mm -hmm. season. The Vikings plus 10 point differential among that group ranks 53rd. (laughs) No question. Out of those 53. There's seven and oh in one score games. I mean, listen, I know they had the big, people are saying, well, they had the big loss to the Cowboys. That, yeah, that counts. The big losses uh, do count. And so uh, they've been a very fortunate team. They've been a very lucky team so far this season. They're in a lot of these games, but they're winning every game that they're actually in. That usually does not happen. And so uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. Can they win a playoff game? Absolutely. Can they get to the Super Bowl? I don't see it. Again, if Kirk Cousins is in Glendale and they're talking about Kirk Cousins potentially winning a Super Bowl, come back at me. I will take it. That leaves us with the Eagles and the Cowboys. These are two very, very, very good teams, two very complete teams. The Cowboys are now 9-3 and three with a plus 127-point differential, tops in the NFL. Eagles are 11-1. and one. We just talked about them uh, earlier. These two teams can win in a variety of ways. They're relatively healthy. Cowboys lose Anthony Brown, which you know could be a big deal. They're cornerback yeah. in that game. But on the other side of the ball, Tyron Smith is back practicing. And so maybe what you lose on defense, you make up for on offense there. They listen, they can win with their pass rush. They can win with their passing game. They can win with their running game. They can win with creating turnovers. They can win in a number of ways. So can the Eagles. Those are the two teams. We're going into the final five weeks. And I already know that one of those teams is going to the Super Bowl. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is there a sleeper team that I'm missing? I don't disagree that the upcoming NFC playoff race is going to be decided by the two teams, Eagles, Cowboys. Those are the only two teams I view as a contender. However, <laughs> my take, my third take. Okay. Oh, I like it. Brock Purdy's going to win a playoff game, man. Brock Purdy's going to start in and win a playoff game. Because 
it was a three-team you race. You were just it, crushing him yesterday. I was just listening to the Ringer recap show. I was like, Ben, it's being really mean to Brock Purdy. Jeez, what did Brock Purdy do to you, Ben? But go ahead. You're flipping it 24 hours later. I was not. <laughs> I was not being mean to Brock Purdy <laughs> in the sense of like, wow, he played so poorly in this Dolphins game. Like, wow, he's such a bad quarterback. I was being mean to him in the sense that, like, I watched him for four years at Iowa State, and I'm legitimately stunned that he was drafted, let alone stuck on a roster, let alone that he's here. But he's here now. And the reason why he's here and the coach who's got him here is an important part of this. So, uh, firstly, for those of you uh, playing at home, since 1950, quarterbacks to start a playoff game drafted in round seven or later in their rookie season. One, Doug Flutie. That's the whole list. Lost 13 wow. to 27 in 1987 playoffs to the Washington, whatever team they were at the time. So it was a very rare thing that we got a seventh rounder starting a playoff game. But that's the potential mountain we're coming down. There's a couple of different ways. There's a couple of different, you know, boulders we got to dodge here. And there's kind of as we, as we approach this. Number one is this Baker Mayfield idea, right? Brock Purdy is the current starter for the 49ers they're going to do something else at quarterback they're going to bring in a veteran it might be baker mayfield was released by the panthers on monday might be somebody else in the event that it's baker i am wholly unconvinced that baker is better for the 49ers offense than uh, brock purdy is the book on kyle shanahan's offense especially kyle shanahan's offense with backup quarterbacks is Kyle will make the good plays for you. Like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, the the versatility of the running game, certainly the running game has not been as good this year. Like no Elijah Mitchell, something to still watch out for is if Brock has to live in long, late down situations, third and eight, whatever. But generally like Kyle will make the good plays for you. Just point and shoot, throw the ball to who you're supposed to throw it to and they'll do stuff for you after the catch. Avoiding the negative plays, don't cause problems with sacks. Don't cause problems with interceptions. Don't do the knucklehead stuff. That's the book on what you need in order to kind of keep yourself afloat in this offense. When you go and you kind of compare like CJ Beathard's games with the Niners, Nick Mullins games with the Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo's games with the Niners, and then what Baker Mayfield's done over the course of his career on a per game basis. Yeah. Like Baker's, you know, throwing the ball more. He's got more passing touchdowns, but he's also Averaging an interception a game below only Mullins. He's averaging 2.3 sacks a game, which is tied for Beathard for the highest number among those quarterbacks. Baker is a negative play quarterback. He invites interceptions. He invites pressure. He invites sacks. He has always been like high risk, high reward in the NFL. There's no reason for Kyle to hitch his wagon to that. Like that, like, especially on like a short term, like bringing a guy in. Baker doesn't make sense. They would bring in somebody who's just going to like execute the offense and ask no questions, right? Like, they would love for like the Andy Dalton of the world to be available right now. Not yeah. playing for the Saints, but just kind of plug them, chug and go. Why was Brock Purdy this seventh round undrafted free agent kept as the third quarterback for the 49ers? Well, it's because that's what he does. Like watch him play that Dolphins game, man. It's third and 10 unblocked pressure. And he just blindly chucks that thing towards where he thinks a skill player is, right? Like it, it like the timing's got to get better. Like the arm strength isn't going to be anything, but he's, Willing to just do what the offense asks him to do. He's got that total, you know, just like green nature of a rookie who will just like anything Kyle says goes. He's never going to go off script. He's he's going to throw picks because he doesn't have a great arm. And he's going to get hit, whatever. But if it's just, hey, like screens and handoffs and and, and RPOs, he's never going to, you know, uh, make the mistake of trying to be bigger than his boots. So I think Brock has every opportunity to stave off a free agent, whether Baker or otherwise, but especially Baker, and hold on to this job. And then 
you look at their schedule. All right, well, it's not great. They uh, they have Tampa Bay upcoming, and I don't know. Like I before the Saints game, I was like positive they were going to win it. I'm still kind of positive they're going to win it, but whatever. Beyond that, like they have uh, 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 at Seattle against the Commanders, those two playoff teams at the Raiders, home against the Cardinals. If they just win two of those five games, they're making the playoffs. That's a tall ask, but there's nobody kind of better at doing this than Kyle, just taking a weird quarterback, calling some weird plays, winning with defense, winning with a running game, and getting the team into the postseason. And then get to the postseason, and that really weak NFC that made it a three-team race it's still there. It's still the Bucks is the four seed and it's still the commanders of the giants is the six seed or the seven seed, right? Like they're like, let's say they end up with, with the six seed they're facing who? Oh, they're facing the Seahawks. They're facing the Seahawks at three. You're telling me you don't think Kyle could beat the Seahawks with Brock Purdy. I kind of think you could beat the Seahawks with Brock Purdy. It's just such a weak division that I am officially on Brock Purdy's going to win a playoff game train just because the Niners are that talented. And I don't think they're going to have a better quarterback option than him. So why not Brock Purdy winning a playoff game for the 49ers in 2023? Bring it to me. Well, something weird is going to happen. Because if the season ended today, the 49ers are the division winners and the Giants go to San Francisco to face the Brock Purdy. Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy, you know that game's in prime time. I mean, that is why you pay those billions of dollars for the TV rights. 49ers would be favored in that game. I mean, I'm feel very confident yes uh yeah they would be favored in that game so yes they can win a playoff game something weird's gonna i mean either like a nfc south winner who doesn't finish over 500 or a brock purdy team or a daniel jones team or a tail like somebody's got to win a playoff game in the first round so something weird uh is going to happen i think it's gonna not that no one wanted garoppolo to go down but it's gonna be interesting to watch this because it's what you said kyle shanahan has always wanted a robot at quarterback. Like if he could just get some AI to go out there and just be like, do exactly, I will train you to do exactly what I want you to do on every play. That would be his dream for a quarterback. And we all look at it when they're playing with Garoppolo and we say, yeah, but is it Garoppolo or is it Shanahan and the, the, the supporting cast? And I think usually people come to the conclusion that it's Shanahan and the supporting cast. Yet when Shanahan has coached the 49ers with anything other than and anyone other than Jimmy Garoppolo. The team has been bad and the offense has been bad, even if the quarterbacks have put up some counting stats like a, like a Nick Mullins or a CJ Beathard. I mean, they don't win games and the offense is not efficient. Whereas when they have Garoppolo, it's a top five efficiency offense pretty much every year he's ever played for them. So now in steps Purdy and where is he going to be on this range? Is he going to be all right? They can actually do some things because they are so talented, probably as talented, more talented than they've ever been offensively with the supporting cast. Or is it going to look like what it's looked like with some of those other quarterbacks? So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. And yeah, their defense really gives them a chance in in any game, honestly. I mean, they're that good. They can dominate a game. They can shut out an opponent. Uh, uh, No one is really going to light them up uh, offensively. So I think they're going to keep them in a lot of games. And then, I mean, Debo Samuel's performance in that game Sunday was underrated. I thought when I was rewatching, I'm going... He's like taking over the game right now in the fourth quarter. It's been it's been a quiet season for Debo. Like gen, like I think by his standards of by last yeah. season or whatever. And I feel like last 
week was just like, all right, we got Brock in here. That's it. I'm done. Like I just, I've given yeah. something to hit. Like I'm just I'm so sick and tired of losing quarterbacks. Yeah, there was there was a back to back back to back plays where he had a, a nine yard run and McCaffrey had a thirty yard run, and you're going, all right, well, this is what it's going to look like probably with. Purdy, but I was I was interested with how Shanahan kind of called that game. I mean, they were calling pass plays on third and ones. They were still sort of being aggressive with Purdy, and it's exactly what you said. I felt like when he knew where to go with the ball, he was okay. There were a couple of plays where he's like, all right, it's not there. I'm going to buy some time, and you're just like, all right, there's a turnover waiting to happen, and those are going to come with a rookie, but there were certainly some throws where you're like, that kind of, the throw to Juwan Jennings, I'm like, that looks exactly like Jimmy Garoppolo uh, right there, so we'll see how it plays out with the Niners. The health of Elijah Mitchell is so important to this team now. He's placed on IR. They clearly don't want to use McCaffrey as a bell cow because they want to toss the ball to him. And that's like, fine, that makes sense. Um, But just like, that's been the formula that they've been used to is like, our backups in, let's run, 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 run against the teams you can run it against. And like the NFC playoffs have teams you can run against. Seattle, Dallas. Uh, uh, New York, right? You can you can run against these teams. I don't know if they're going to be able to wake up this running game with with Tyrion Davis Price and with uh, uh, Mason Jordan Mason. I want to say uh, over the course of the next few weeks, and so they may be at a point where they like feel like they need to run McCaffrey, and now they're not what they want to be on offense, and it's weird. But the point that you made about like, hey, like they can just win games with defense is also extremely important, right? Like they feel like let's say they need to beat the Raiders and beat the Cardinals to make the playoffs to get to week 17 week 18 they need those two wins yeah D'Amico is going to give up four total points in those two games you know and then with the talent they have a defense especially as the defense rises to the occasion of having the backup in there I yeah I think the Niners are still making the playoffs right now I think 538 has them like you know record wise got them like seven like 89 96 percent something in there obviously not really adjusting for Brock just yet I think they still make it that is hilarious in and of itself. If they win a playoff game, I'm going to lose my mind. Oh yeah, even the the betting markets, they're like even higher than that, even after the Purdy uh, injury on FanDuel. I mean, they're almost like a lock to to make the playoffs. It's a, it's a matter of whether they would win the division or be a wild card team. All right, speaking of the playoffs, my extra point, we did this a couple of weeks ago and I said, I'm going to come back to this because things have happened. Oh yeah, a little callback? We're looking at the AFC playoff picture, Benjamin, and we're, we're going to have to call our shots again, updated with who is making the AFC playoffs, specifically that final wild card spot. So let me give you the, the updated look here. The Bills right now have the bye in the AFC. They are the one seed. They were the big winners of week 13. They went from the five seed, I think it was, to the one seed and yeah, a bye. Nice. They have about a, a, a 55% chance at a bye. If you look at the betting markets, the Chiefs are at 41%. So it's most likely, barring something wild, going to be one of those teams with the one seed. Then if the season ended today, the Jets would get in as the seven seed and they would go to Kansas City to face the Chiefs as big underdogs. Uh, the Dolphins would be the sixth seed, and they would go to Baltimore to face the Ravens, the three seed, which that would be a very fun matchup. And the Bengals, five, another rematch with the Titans, uh, the four seed in the first round. Having said that, if you just look at the betting markets, the Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, Titans, Bengals, and Dolphins are all like up over 80% odds to... Uh, 
make the playoffs. So do you have an issue with penciling any of those teams in? I don't like the fact that our like massive crescendo into Ravens debate is just now completely null and void because there's no Lamar. <laughs> I find that very irritating. We're just not going to learn anything really. But yeah, that, that, that works. He'll be back, right? We'll see. Okay. All right. So that leaves us with the seven seed. And your candidates for the seven seed are the New York Jets, the New England Patriots, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first with who you're going on the record with that is going to be the seventh seed in the AFC? Now, this isn't like that. You don't have to be that courageous because, again, we do this every two weeks. You can just keep changing it and then right. remind people of when you got it right, uh, tell them to forget about it, about what you got wrong. But uh, I felt like it was time for an update after what we, I think the last time we did this, Zach Wilson was still the quarterback for the Jets. So it definitely warranted an update. I am very happy to go first, and I'm very okay. confident in my prediction. The Jets are the seven seed. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm I thought you were going to so say Chargers. Ex- I'm so extremely done with these Chargers. I'm just, I'm no longer interested. Uh, firstly, and like, you know, this sounds bananas, but injury update for the Chargers. Sebastian Joseph Day, their only good defensive tackle, is going to probably be out for the rest of the season. Zion Johnson, good rookie guard, one of the few remaining healthy good offensive linemen, day-to-day injury. So firstly, you might have thought the Chargers had nobody else left to get hurt. There are more! The only one left is Herbert. It's just Herbert and Eckler against the world. Nobody else is healthy, and it's horrible. That's number one. Number two is... Keenan is so decisively not healthy. Like the, the Keenan's playing because Mike Williams isn't playing. You watch him, he can't. Like he can't run. Like he's like running out of bounds multiple steps before contacts come in. Like he doesn't got it. Uh, they have no like the the lack of receiver talent is is dire. They are like I think defensively they're going to do the right things against the Dolphins. I think they're going to press the right buttons, and I think they're going to get absolutely boat raced. I like that. Don't the the fact that they're up 10 to nothing on the Raiders. They have no idea how to manage that lead. They can't get a stop to get the ball back. They're giving up on flea flickers. Like right now, uh, Daniel Popper, the athletic writer for the Chargers, wonderful writer had it that like they're, they're giving up. I can't remember now. I think it's over five yards per carry over, like, over the course of the season. It's like the Historic, worst number. Yeah. yeah since like the, in the two thousands, you know, so this is just a, it's a pitiful, pitiful team. And it's being dragged to relevancy by like the combined efforts of a few special players. And like the parts of brand that are a good coach, and that's that's brought them to six and six, but it's it, in terms of the, like the outside of the quarterback conversation, they're one of the most disappointing teams in the league in terms of health and in terms of, of, of production and in terms of how the coaching staff manages them. I do not have faith in the Chargers. Like, they're going to be uh, they have they have the Dolphins and the Titans in the next two weeks. If they're not six and eight, I'll be stunned. So get, uh, give me the Jets. I don't trust the Patriots for obvious reasons. We talked about the Patriots. Jets have a great defense. Jets are, uh, they have a dominant takeover unit that has the ability to win them games, even after the loss to the Vikings. Like, yeah, give me the Jets for the seventh seed. All right. So the extra point taken is the Jets are going to the playoffs. We both believe. We're both picking them. Absolutely. I know you're feeling down, Jets fans, about the way that game transpired on Sunday. You're going, oh my God, one for six in the red zone. How could we not win that game? Take a, take a breather. You're going to the playoffs. You had 486 yards of offense. You went up and down the field against the Vikings. You got some bad luck. Garrett Wilson is turning into a star before your eyes. Mike White is operating the offense. Like Ben said, the defense is a top five unit. They're seven and five right now. 
They got to hold off the Patriots and Chargers. The schedule isn't easy, Ben. At Buffalo, Detroit, Jacksonville, at Seattle, at Miami, the final five. It's not an easy five. I believe in you. Ben believes in you. You will get enough wins to get into the playoffs. The other two teams, listen, the Patriots are not a well-coached team right now. Their offense stinks, and they don't have a lot of talent. Like, unless you're just like, listen, Bill Belichick will figure it out, which if you want to say that, fine. Uh, That team's not going to the playoffs. And then I'm with you. This Chargers team. Get out of my life. Give me, they should do, so give me a one. I'm so over it. Uh, they, they should line up on Sunday night and give me a one, two, three Cancun. Just mail in the rest of the season. Go on vacation. Uh, you don't need to play out. They score one offensive touchdown against the freaking Las Vegas Raiders. And that comes in the middle of the fourth quarter. Their defense, 28th in EPA per drive, 31st in success rate. Only the Houston Texans are worse. This team will find a way to blow it. They're not fun. It's the opposite of what I said with the Bengals. They're the most unfun team in the NFL. Yes. They look like they're a bunch of miserables yes. on the sideline. They're waiting for something terrible to happen. They have no identity. Uh, I want nothing to do with the Chargers. Now, I will say this. Lastly, their schedule, though, Ben, they finish at Indy. Rams and at Denver. I mean, three of the worst teams. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. I have no confidence that they beat any of those three teams. Like, yeah, they're better than those teams. I've yet to see them. Like, I have no faith that they emphatically beat teams they're worse than. They were facing what the three win Raiders team in a position where they were looking uh, at a divisional rival. Think about, think about, think, oh, I'm getting angry. You and I both picked Justin Herbert to be our preseason MVP, right? And they like, oh, yeah. like, you know. This, Justin this. Herbert's awesome. This isn't a Justin Herbert take. Right, right, right. No, absolutely. Herbert's yeah. the man. And when we talked about that, I remember doing that preseason pod with you. We were like, well, one of the things is like, if the Chargers come out of this division, how can you not? If they're AFC right. West, this and that. Imagine you would go back in time and tell young Ben and young <laughs> Shield, you still had hair. I still had Dolphins fans who liked me. <laughs> and tell them, hey, guess what? The Raiders and the Broncos are going to suck. They're going to be so bad. You, the Chargers are going to win twelve games. The we the, what the Eagles and the Cowboys are now. We would have thought the Chiefs and the Chargers would be in their division. Like, all right, one's going to be the one seed, one's going to be the five seed. But these are the defining teams in the AFC. They had they had yeah. a cakewalk in the division, man. They had it easier than we thought, and they just start doing. Ugh, I'm getting angry. The day Joe Lombardi learns you're allowed to move the pocket in the NFL. It's going to blow his mind. He, I watched 40 years of NFL football. I was raised in a Lombardi family and I didn't know you could move the pocket. So calling football, like, like, like Vince is the head coach on the other sidelines. Holy Moses, man. I can't with this team. Frustrating team. I know they have injuries. So don't come at me and talk to me about the injuries. I understand it, especially on the offensive line, but uh, yeah, I, I am not in on that team. So there you go. Jets fans. You can't complain about no one giving your team any credit or thinking that your, your team is going to do it. The Jets are the official seven seed of extra point taken. All right, that will do it. Another episode in the books week 13 in the books. We're coming to week 14. We will be back next week. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Christopher Sutton for producing additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. We will talk to you next Monday.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.